Our scripture today is found in Romans chapter 13, starting at verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The last four chapters of the book of Romans focus primarily on interpersonal relationships. They, they tell us how to relate to others in the church, how to, re, how to respond to people who mistreat us, how we should relate to the government and those who are in authority, how we should uh, get along with people who might disagree with us on some particular issue. So the, the closing section of Romans, it's all about relationships. And at, at the heart of this closing section are the verses that I just read for you from Romans chapter 13. These, these verses here tell us that the key, the key to healthy interpersonal relationships is love. And the verse 8 says, it says, whoever, it says, whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. In other words, they've, they've accomplished everything God really wants them to do. They've, they've fulfilled the law. Again, verse 10 says, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So according to this passage, to honor God in your relationships with other people, um, well, to quote the Beatles, all you need is love, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I, what I want to do is ask three questions about that thought. Uh, the questions I want to ask are, what does that mean? What, is it, what does it mean to love other people? S secondly, uh, why is this often so hard for us to do? And then um, thirdly, how can we do it or at least grow in doing this? So first, what, what, is it, what does it mean to love other people? Um, I wonder if you'd agree that in our culture, it's very common for people to, to, to have a kind of a sentimental understanding of love. To, we just kind of view love as a feeling, an emotion. We fall in love. We fall out of love. In other words, something is, love is something that, uh, it, it's kind of an emotion that comes over us. It's almost something over which we don't really have any control. Uh, years ago, I was counseling a young married couple, and the wife uh, was uh, telling her husband that she wanted out of the marriage. And uh, when I tried to ask her why, she just said, I, I don't love him anymore. And, and what she meant by that was that she, she, she wasn't feeling the same emotions that she had first felt for her husband when, when they got married. And that's a, that's a common view of love. love. Love is a feeling. If I don't feel this, I don't love you. If I do feel this, 
I do love you. Now, what's strange about this passage here, a passage on love, is that there's basically no mention of emotions here. There's no mention of feelings. There's, there's no hearts. There's no flowers. There's, there's no reference to warmth or fondness or affection. In, in other words, love here, in this passage, love is not described as an emotion that we feel. Love is described as an action that we choose. It's, it's, it's something we choose to do. Uh, verse 11 says, and do this, understanding the present time. Do this. And we say, do what? Love others. That's what it's talking about. Love is something you do. An author named Bell Hooks wrote this. She said, the word, the word love is often defined as a noun. But, she says, we would all love better if we used it as a verb. In other words, what she means is, don't, don't think primarily of, of love as a noun, you know, a state that you're in or an emotion that you feel. She said, think of love as a verb, an action you choose to do, regardless of what you're thinking. Sometimes in, in Christian circles, uh, people will say, you know, the difference, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is, you know, the Old Testament, it's all about rules. It's all about keeping the law. The New Testament is about love. Right? In other words, they, they kind of see a conflict between the law of God, the Ten Commandments, and, and the love that, that we're taught to live in in Jesus Christ. But according to this passage, um, the law, God's law, these are not just a bunch of old rules that, that are somehow in conflict with the call to love. No, this passage says that God's love, God's laws are guideposts that show us how to love. Uh, the, the law of God shows us the things that we are to choose to do in order to love others. So, for example, we read here that as Christians, we shun adultery. Why? Because we want to follow some legalistic rule? Because we're, we're prudish or anything like that? No. We shun adultery because, because adultery is unloving. It's an, an unloving betrayal of another person's trust. The commandments like, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet, right? Um, these aren't just a bunch of legalistic rules that compete with love. No, these are the kinds of actions we choose in order to love. It, end of verse 9 says, um, whatever command there may be, it is summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So, so, Following the law is the path we walk on when we're choosing the actions that are involved in loving others. Now, verse 8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Right before this, the apostle had been talking about the importance of paying off our debts. And we, and we know that it's important if you're in debt, you want to get out of debt, you want to pay off your mortgage, you want to pay off those student loans. And you can't, you can't wait until the day comes when you don't have to make payments anymore. The apostle here is saying, however, there's one debt that we're going to have to keep paying on our entire lives. We just keep making the payments and never, ever expect that it will be paid in full. And that is the debt that you and I owe to every person we ever meet. Every Listen, every person we ever meet is, is an individual who was made in the image of God and ha, who has been endued by the Creator with, with, an, with an undying soul. And what we owe that person is love. 
We, we, lo- we owe love to everyone. Wh- whether or not we agree with their politics, whether or not we share their religious b- beliefs, what, e- even whether or not we enjoy their company, because you don't enjoy everyone's company, but you owe everyone love. So what, what is love? Well, end of verse 10 says love. Love is the fulfillment of what? The fulfillment of the heart. The fulfillment of my emotions. No, love is the fulfillment of the law. In other words, it's an action, a loving action I choose to do. Um, Robertson McQuilkin was the president of a Christian college and Christian seminary. He was a very, very gifted uh, man. In fact, during his tenure as president of this particular college, the enrollment in that institution doubled. Just a very gifted Christian leader. His wife had Alzheimer's disease, and it finally reached the point where uh, she was going to need round-the-clock care. And when it reached that point, uh, Mr. McQuilkin resigned from his position so he could care for her. And there were people who tried to talk him out of this. He was such a gifted man. He had so much to offer the kingdom of God. They said to him, listen, you can put her in institution. Somebody else can care for her. And they said to him, you, you do know that she doesn't even know who you are anymore. And he said to them, she may not know who I am, but I still know who she is. See, that, that's love. Not a, not a feeling you experience, not, not an emotion that comes over you, not, not even a natural affinity towards, towards certain people. No, lo, listen, love is Jesus reaching out to touch a leper. Love, love is Jesus washing the feet of Judas, right? Love, love is Jesus praying on the cross for those who were killing him. That's what love is. M. Scott Peck, who was a, an author and a psychiatrist, He defined love as the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing another spiritual growth. He wrote, love is as love does. Love is an act of the will. So that's what it means to love others. It's it's a choice you make to, to do something loving in relation to them. So that's what it means to love. Now, secondly, I want to ask, why is why is this often so hard for us? And let's just be honest. Loving others is not easy to do. I mean, if, if you think about it, if, if loving others were easy, this passage would not be in the Bible. The, the passage I just read for you, was it was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of Christians living in first century Rome. And in chapter 3 of Romans, he told these Christians that they had all been justified by faith, meaning that they were all, because of what Christ had done, they were completely acceptable in the eyes of God. Then in chapter 5, he, he told them that they had all received, quote, God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, and that they were reigning in life through Jesus. Then in chapter 6, he told them that they had been united with Christ by faith, saying that therefore they were no longer slaves of sin. Then in chapter 8, he told them that they had been adopted into God's family. They were God's children now, and each of them was indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now, you would think that people who had received all those spiritual blessings, they, they, they would find it easy to love other people. You, in fact, you would think people who had received all those spiritual blessings wouldn't even need a passage like this one. But apparently they did. They needed to be told to love others. Why? Because loving others is hard. And, and, and listen, what makes it hard is something you read about at the very end of verse verse 14. Very end of verse 14 ends with these two words, the flesh. 
the flesh. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, in, in this context, um, by, by saying the flesh, Paul's not talking about their bodies. There's not, the, the Bible has a very high view of the human body. He's not, he's not criticizing their, their flesh and bones. By the flesh here, what he means is, he means our sinful nature, this kind of inner, innate propensity that we all have to put ourselves first, to put our needs, our goals, our comfort, our, our opinions and ideas, to put these things ahead of those of others. We're, we're all born with this kind of innate tendency to think of ourselves first, to put ourselves first. And that's what's meant by the flesh here. And the flesh, that, that tendency to put ourselves first, that's why it's hard to love. I mean, listen, when, when I find it difficult to love another person, I, you know, I tend to think, well, you know, the reason it's hard to love this person is because something wrong with them. But that's not the truth. The, the main reason I find it hard to love another person is not anything in that person. The main reason I find it hard to love another person is because of something in me. And, and the reason I say that is because, you know what, I never have a hard time loving me. Uh, so, someone has written, has written this, um, there's somebody I love even when I don't approve of what they do. Somebody I accept even though some of their thoughts and actions revolt me. Somebody I forgive even though they've hurt the people I love the most. Do you know who that somebody is? It's me. It's, it's, it's never hard to love me. It is hard to love others. Why? Because of what's wrong with them? No, because of something deeply wrong in me. You have the same problem. We, we all struggle with, with what Paul calls the flesh. So that's why it's hard. Now, the final question is how can we do this? How, how can we learn to love others the way the Bible calls us to? Well, the first thing you'll notice, the apostle, he, he tells us that we need to repent of actions that are sinful and unloving. In ver verse 12, he says, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. And what he means by that is, with every passing day, we're coming closer and closer and closer to the moment in time when Christ will return. He says, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here, therefore, let us put aside the deeds of darkness. Then in verse 13, he lists examples of the deeds of darkness. It's not an exhaustive list. I'm sure you could add to it. But, it, but his, point is, his point is this. Listen, if there's anything at all in your life that you know is either dishonoring toward God or unloving toward others, he says, put it aside. You, you could trans translate that. Cast it off. Throw it away. Get rid of it. So, so th this passage just causes us to, to stop and think. I wonder. Um, if there's anything in your life that would fall into this category, either it's dishonoring to God or it's love un unloving to others, if so, then, then this passage would just encourage you. Go, go to God and say, Lord, I, I, I'm sorry that this is part of my life. I need you to forgive me for this. But more than that, I, I, I'm just tired of this. I want this, this unloving, ungodly aspect of my life. I want it to be gone. End of verse 14 says, it says, do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. You, uh, others have translated that, don't make any provision for the flesh. Don't give it any room at all. Just, in other words, say, God, this, this self-centered aspect of me, I need to repent of this. I want this gone. 
So how, how do we learn to love others? First, we need to repent of, of, of actions that are sinful and unloving. But then secondly, and there's, this is so important, in verse 14 he says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. What, what, what an interesting phrase. Clothe yourself with, with the Lord Jesus. I just, just kind of picture um, yourself taking a robe, a big, long robe, and draping it over your body. It just, it covers every part of you. That robe is Jesus. The, the robe that, that covers you is, is the love that Christ has for you. Clothe yourself with the love Christ has for you. So you want to be able to love others, just kind of drape yourself, clothe yourself, cover yourself with the love that Christ has for you. Now you might be saying, how, how in the world is that going to help me love others? Well, um, listen, I, I'm convinced there is something uh, about receiving love that just changes you. Really, truly being loved by someone else, it can transform you. Back, back in the, uh, the 1920s and 1930s, um, Sing Sing Correctional Facility in Austin, New York. It was considered one of the most violent, um, dangerous prisons in, in America. It was just filled with all kinds of hardened criminals and cold-blooded murderers and violent felons. And in 1920, a man named Louis Laws was sent uh, to Sing Sing to serve as, as the warden of that facility. And uh, as the warden, he was supposed to live just right down the road, about three quarters of a mile, right next, right outside this penitentiary. He had to live there with his family. So he and his family moved into this house next to the prison. And the people that knew his family told his wife, a woman named Catherine Laws, they warned her. They said, whatever you do, do not go into that prison. It's very, very dangerous. Her response, her attitude was this. She said, listen, my husband and I have been sent here to care for these men. And I'm certain that if, if we care for them, they will take care of me. So uh, rather than heeding uh, the warning of her friends, the very, after moving in, the very first time she heard there was going to be a basketball game going on in the prison, uh, Catherine Laws and her three little children marched into the penitentiary, took their seats in the bleachers, and cheered the men on as they were playing basketball. And for 16 years... Catherine Laws um, just invested herself in, in loving the men of Sing Sing Prison. She was like a mom to them. She would, she would sit there and talk with them, become acquainted with them, help them with their problems, counsel them with, with their difficulties. She just made a decision that she, she was going to, um, to choose to love those men. In the 1937, Catherine Laws died of a very tragic accident and uh, when the men of Sing Sing heard what had happened to her and they heard that her funeral was being held in, in the house just outside uh, the, the penitentiary, um, they, they, hundreds of them lined up in, in the yard of the prison, right by the gate, looking out the gate down the road toward the house where the funeral was taking place. Tears in their eyes, weeping over the loss of this woman. And when the guards saw them standing there by the gate, looking toward the house where the funeral was, they opened the doors. They just opened the gates to the prison. They said to the men, if you want to go pay your respects, walk down the road, you can do this. Um, make sure you're back by nightfall. So these men, hundreds of them, walked out of the prison, down the road, unguarded to this funeral. And by the end of the day, all of them, 
came back. Not, none of them, none of them wanted to dishonor the memory of this woman who had loved them so much by, by trying to escape. All of them came back to the prison. There's, there was something about having been loved by her that changed who they were. And, and that's, that's the way it is with Christ. Just, just imagine what would happen if you were to clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. If every day just kind of just drape yourself with a reminder of the love that Christ has for you. Just kind of remind yourself, he has forgiven me. He has accepted me. He is patient with me. He is for me. He's not against me. He delights in me. If every day would just kind of clothe yourself with this, just imagine how that would empower you to love others, to, to, to forgive as you've been forgiven, to, to accept because you've been accepted, to, to welcome people because Christ has welcomed you, to love as you've been loved. So how do, how do we love others? Well, we need to repent. We need to turn from anything in our life that's, that's unloving towards them or dishonoring toward God. But that's not enough. Then we just need to drape ourselves, clothe ourselves with the love of Christ and allow his love to change who we are. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you've called us to love others, but you, the one who calls us to love, is the very one who has called us by love. You've loved us like no one else ever have. In spite of our self-centeredness and in spite of our unbelief and in spite of the fact that we that we had turned our backs on you you sent your son Jesus to die in our place you loved us with an everlasting love and I pray that that love that we've received from you would flow through us to others that we would love others well for the glory of Christ who loved us in his name I pray amen